Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. You know, money doesn't have to be boring. I get a lot of questions of people who have set up their accounts, who have money being saved, and they're like, what now? What's next? How am I supposed to design my rich life? That is why I created the journal. The journal is something you can do either on your own or with a partner. Imagine yourself 15 minutes in the morning, you have a cup of steaming tea, and you're sitting down following the prompts that help you envision what your rich life is. What's your perfect week? What's your perfect month, year? This journal is designed as a no-numbers journal. It's not technical, but it's going to help you understand what you truly value and also what you don't care about. I recommend you pick up a copy of this journal. You can do it solo or with a partner, and it will help you design your rich life. Get it at any bookstore now. I have a harder, more stressful job. I make more money, like, and we don't have an even split of certain things. Honestly, I'm terrible when we get into fights like that because I tend to just almost like black out. Like I can't even tell you details of any of the argument. I honestly, like I felt a little bit taken advantage of. I just think that it's really important to us to not recreate some of what we experienced as children. We knew like going into being parents that we were going to have to just be better. And, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. I'd like to introduce you to Tammy and Mike. They're a Midwestern couple. They met 17 years ago, and they have a son named Rowan who's two years old. Now, they make $135,000, but believe it or not, the reason they came to talk to me was a trip to Target. Tammy had taken a trip to Target. She bought some stuff. And when she came home, Mike's first question was, how much did you spend? And this led to a blowout fight. Well, as you listen to the conversation today, I want you to pay close attention to the way they talk to each other, the way they joke with each other. It's sarcastic, but it goes a lot further than that. And as I try to unpeel what's really going on here, you're going to hear a lot of surprises, particularly towards the end of the episode. My name is Ramit Sethi, and this is the I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast. Here we go. Tammy, can you tell me what happened recently when you went to Target? It was probably just to pick up a couple of things. We're in the pandemic and we're following the CDC guidelines really, really strictly. So going to the store is a luxury now in a way that it never was before. I found like the household things that we needed, like cleaning supplies and I got snacks and all in all, it ended up being like 
I don't know, probably around like $250. And so when I got home, he asked how much I spent. And so when I told him how much I spent, he kind he got really upset because um, it is a decent chunk of money for me to just, you know, randomly spend. Like anytime we spend more than I would say like 50-ish dollars, we usually check in with each other. Like, hey, is it cool if I spend this much money? So for me to just go and drop like $250 at Target was kind of a big deal. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I just got to stop and cut in here. Listen, I grew up in suburbia. I know everything there is to know about Target. Walk in there. I know where the hot tamales are. I know where the detergent is. I know that Target now carries a copy of my book. I will teach you to be rich. I even know that when I bought a bike my senior year of high school to go to college, the cashier looked up at me and he actually made fun of me. He goes, oh, would you like some pom-poms with that too? That Huffy bike may have been a girl's bike. I'll never know. But what I do not understand is how obsessed so many of you are with Target. Every single time I mention Target, I get 200 tweets like, LOL, is it possible to even walk out of Target without spending a hundred bucks? My wife gets lost in there. Better say bye for an hour. I'm like, is this the new Disneyland? People going shopping at Target? And then I think to myself, wait a second. My wife loves Target. And every time we go in there, she pulls out the red cart and then disappears. I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? How did Target get so popular? Whatever they did, I think it was that Michael Graves teapot that they came out with in 2000. Good job, because all people talk about is how much they love Target. Okay, back to this couple. Did you notice that she casually mentioned that when she got home, he asked how much she spent? Does anyone else find that curious? I do. See, sometimes one of the benefits of speaking to couples is that I get to gently point out that what they think is normal actually isn't that common. For example, if you earn $135,000, should your first question really be, how much did you spend? Listen carefully to that clue. You're going to hear a lot more of it. We kind of just got in a huge fight. And honestly, I'm terrible when we get into fights like that because I tend to just almost like black out. Like I can't even tell you details of any of the argument. I just remember that I was getting more and more upset. And Mike had basically had said something along the lines of the fact that like he makes more money than me. So it's not fair for me to go and spend more money when when um, that amount of money, at least, that he sacrificed to make, to stay at his job and to make the amount of money that he does. So like if anybody's going to be spending that money, basically it should be him. So I got super upset. And then I left. I just like, I just said, I'm leaving. And I said other things. And then I just got in the car and I drove off and I went and returned a bunch of the stuff to Target. I just remember just feeling like small and like less than, I guess, Um, which kind of spills into other areas of our like our marriage and our partnership and division of like responsibilities. And so I felt even worse after that. Mike, what was your experience with that target trip? But she 
got back from Target, um, I think my expectation was like, hey, you took as much time as you wanted to. You kind of got away. You probably bought a few things, but like nothing crazy. You maybe picked some stuff up we needed and something small for yourself. And so I, I initially honestly didn't know how much she spent. I kind of asked and we didn't have much of a conversation about it. So it wasn't until like a little bit later when I got a sense that she had actually bought more stuff. At that point, I had felt frustrated just because I kind of felt like, okay, I already was like, hey, go take your time. No rush. I'll take over parenting duties and, you know, do whatever, spend some money. I think there was a text message somewhere in there too, where I was like, hey, like, don't worry about it. If you need to spend 50 bucks, spend 50 bucks, whatever, you know, like in my mind, probably trying to set like a, hey, I'll be cool if you spend this much without us really discussing it. And so I, I honestly, like I felt a little bit taken advantage of, and I an initially didn't immediately voice my um, kind of displeasure or whatever. Um, I kind of just like sat on it, but I think it was really obvious that I was upset. And so I think she picked up on that and I was frustrated about her spending the money. But I think what I'll do sometimes when we do have money disagreements, whether it's planned or not, is that I'll kind of justify when I want to spend money because I do feel like, hey, I make more money. We made kind of a group decision that like, hey, you're going to take a different position on so that you'll have a better work-life balance. And that's going to mean we have to make some cuts. And so I think, you know, that to her maybe meant we both make cuts together. To me, that meant like you make cuts, but I'll get a little more flexibility, right? Because I make like $30,000 more or whatever, which is not a fair assumption. But I tried to say that to her in that moment. And, you know, fairly, she only heard me saying like, I make more money than you. It's okay for me to go spend money, not you. And so I tried to backpedal out of it. It's like, no, 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 I'm not saying I feel that way. I'm saying like, that was like the gut reaction that I got. It was shitty that I said that. It's not right, but it is how I felt. I just want to be honest with you. And I think at that point, she was like shut down and, and out the door. It was just this thing of like, I have a harder, more stressful job. I make more money. Like, and we don't have an even split of certain things. And I feel like you sometimes aren't conscious of that with our finances. I guess I, like, I'm a, an, a fairly anxious person. Like, I, I want kind of control of a lot of things. And I think that ultimately, like if I tick this box, it's like, okay, well, that's handled. We don't have to worry about Tammy going and spending money that I had some sort of like majestic plan for in the future. Even if I didn't have a plan for it, it's just like the fact that like she walks out the door and I don't know where she and the money are going. It's like, it's, it's stressful to me. But isn't she your wife? Yeah. I mean, right. If there's anybody I could trust, it should, should be my wife. Do you trust her? Yeah, I do. I mean, literally with like more important things than money. No, I mean, I do like... <laughs> I, oh, hold on a second. You trust her. I, I believe you that you trust her. But just 10 seconds ago, you said, there she goes out the door right. with $250. Right. Like that's a right. bit of an odd way to describe your wife, wouldn't you say? It is. It is. It's not even, it's not even $25,000, by the way. For right. It's right. 250. What's right. she going to do? Oh, 250 bucks. She filled up the car three times with gas. Right. What are you going right. to do with 250 bucks? Right. After he like calms down a little bit from his like anxiety and like he can take a step back, he realizes that like, yeah, in the scheme of things, this isn't a big deal. Right. But, you know, in that moment, it's those moments that add up kind of a thing that, you know, because then I get more like nervous and anxious about like spending money or feeling like, 
there's a part of me that feels like I have to hide it, but also like I have to tell him about it. Like if it's more than just like gas station snacks or running to the party store or something, it ends up becoming, a, a, I think, a bigger thing in the long run because those small types of disagreements add up to having lingering consequences. You know what I find interesting? I find it interesting that, Tammy, you went to the store with a plan to buy a couple of things and ended up buying $250 worth of stuff, far more Mm -hmm. than you had planned. (laughs) I find it interesting that you justified it to yourself by saying, well, these were gifts for our niece and nephew and this and that. And you sort of papered over the fact that you knew you spent more than either of you expected. In fact, you hid that when you came home. You were not forthcoming. Okay, I find that interesting. I find it equally interesting, Mike, that the first question you asked her was, what was that question when she came home? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I asked her how much she spent. (laughs) Yeah, is that a common question, Mike, that you ask her? I mean, probably, yeah, I would say so. It depends on like the circumstance, but I would say definitely like if she's going to certain places where there's a certain expectation on my end that I know she's going to want to buy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think also before uh, she goes somewhere, I'm like, Hey, I try to, I mean, I went out just a couple of weeks ago with my best friend to run to TJ Maxx or something. And what did you say that you made a joke? It was joking, but he still made a comment to Courtney. What did you say? You said something like, um, like something about make sure she doesn't spend too much. Or something. Okay. okay. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. Yeah. Mike, how do you think that that joke is perceived? I think it's like both disempowering and like you don't trust me. And like, I'm going to just go do something simple and you think I'm going to make dumb decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, and then I can't, we came back. And as a joke, I carry this is probably, this is probably just as bad. But like, I brought in, mine and Courtney's bags together to, and was like, I only spent a little bit of money. And he was just like, are you kidding me? When he saw like the amount of bags that I had. And so Tammy, you're playing into it as well. Well, yeah, because I was like, all right, well, if you're going to make this joke, I'll make this joke. And then he was like, how much did you really spend? And I was still like, well, I only spent $65, but then I was like, Oh God, I still spent $65. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. The two of you, making these jokes to each other over a trip out with your friend to TJ Maxx. What mm-hmm. do both of you get out of it? I think probably just like, I don't know, like satisfaction kind of, of a thing. Like, you're um, getting satisfaction out of you being what? Better. Better than who? Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what are you getting out of these jokes? What are you getting out of the joke that you pull Courtney aside and say, keep your eye on Tammy, make sure she doesn't spend all this money? My most honest answer that I think is that I'm really trying to, without actually saying it to her, be like, don't go spend money. I think to me, it's it's mostly a control thing. Do you really need to check up on how much she's spending at TJ Maxx? This is not Louis Vuitton. What what are you going to get at TJ Maxx? A suitcase for $40? I know how much those suitcases cost. I grew up buying suitcases at TJ Maxx. I know every aisle in TJ Maxx. What is it? It really is 65 bucks going to change your life? No. And I, you know, I think part of it is that I don't even 
myself know the distinction between when I honestly am not concerned and like in my mind am really joking versus when I really am concerned. Like I think that that line has probably blurred for me. What Mike just said is really important. Did you catch it? He said, at this point, I don't even know the distinction between when I'm joking and when I'm actually concerned. What a great example of how small habits or small jokes can exact an enormous cost on you. Now, some of you have heard me talk about how I used to jokingly call myself a skinny Indian guy. For years, I was 127 pounds. And in part, to cope with it, I would joke about being skinny. And the truth is, I was rewarded for that joke. I would get a little ha-ha. But in reality, it actually cost me a lot. Because when I finally decided to make a change, to learn how to lift weights and put on some muscle, I had created this identity for myself of being just a skinny Indian guy. And looking back, I wish I had never said that. In some way, we all do this. We'll say things like, oh, I'm just not good at math. Ah, I just can't manage my money. You know, whatever. And if you want to make a change, whether it's to change your body, become better with money, become more spontaneous, even become a better parent, you can. But it gets a lot harder if you've created an identity that's directly in opposition to change. Mike and Tammy have been lobbing these comments to each other for so long, they don't even realize it's not normal. They don't realize the effect it's having on their partner. They don't even realize if they believe it or not. When I speak to these couples, one of the gifts that they give me is they allow me to see their relationship. They open themselves up and they tell me, they actually want me to give them feedback on what I'm observing. So I want you to do the same thing with your relationship. As you're listening to this, think about what habits you and your partner have. Everything from what you say to each other, to what you eat, what you do for fun, even the inside jokes you have. Think about what the two of you say after you go to a party and see other people. What do the two of you say in the car on the ride home? All of those little behaviors, all of those habits you have, think about them. And then ask yourself this, are they serving you? Because for Mike and Tammy, I can tell you right now, their habits are not serving them at all. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. 
When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook, and let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams, so my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts, unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash that's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Why does a joke in your relationship have to be at one of your expenses? I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like our way of skating around the actual issue and just letting it fester. Do you two have parents who did this? Well, not me as much as Tammy, but... I definitely think that... My parents had a somewhat similar type of relationship as Mike and I do in terms of finances. Like, I can remember my dad, like, taking my mom's credit cards and like hiding them. So, like, she couldn't use them. You know, like, she definitely was the one who would do what I'm doing now, you know, like spending little bits of money here and there, like, you know, and then him giving her kind of a hard time about it. And probably, yeah, having the same type of like banter and, you know, uh, jokes like that kind of a thing. And how did that work out? I mean, they're still together. (laughs) Are they happy? Uh, In their own way. It's complicated and I don't know. It's like a lot. I don't know. You want that relationship for you? No. That no. was quick. <laughs> yeah. No. How come no, you said that I, so quickly? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't want my relationship to look like their relationship with each other. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of us live lives that are utterly predictable. We just refuse to see it. Mike and Tammy are on a path that is so utterly predictable that if you're listening, you can spot what's going to happen from a mile away, but they don't see it. 
you rarely do when you are in your own situation. You think that, oh, it's different. We're unique. We have all these different possibilities. When someone from a little bit of distance can say, "Mm, I can kind of tell where this is going. Most of us live lives that are utterly predictable. We just refuse to see it. Mike and Tammy are on a very predictable path and the outcome is not good. The way they fight is toxic. The way they argue about money, it's no good. The place they're going is not a good destination, but they don't realize that predictable path they're on. And this affects us as an entire country as well. Think about it. If you skip class to work at Carl's Jr. and then you go, I'm not going to college. The truth is you're probably not going to be a multimillionaire. The fact that this seems controversial to say speaks to how strongly our country's propaganda is. This idea that you can accomplish anything if you set your mind to it. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe you can, but the odds are stacked against you. I had a friend once say, but Zuckerberg dropped out of college. He dropped out of Harvard. The reason I'm bringing this up is that Americans drastically overestimate our social mobility. We have this invisible script that we can work hard and become rich. But if you actually zoom out and you compare our social mobility to that of other countries, you'll be surprised. Americans are not as mobile as you thought. In fact, if you grew up poor, odds are you'll remain poor. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons that I'm such a fan of paying my taxes and increasing social services. I bring this up because Mike and Tammy are living utterly predictable lives right now, but they just don't see it. They fight about tiny amounts of money. They insult each other and they're on track to replicate or at least resemble her parents' relationship, which she herself just said she doesn't want to be like. We know where this path is leading. But they refuse to see it. It's just like flossing. You know you should floss. You've heard people warn you about what happens if you don't. It's easy to ignore it because you don't really feel the cost. But day by day, you're living a life where the outcome will predictably be bad. So now what I want to do is I want to try to show them this, not tell them, not lecture them, but I want to show them the path they're on and let them figure out what's going to happen. I'm going to do that by starting off with asking them what money really represents to the two of them. $50. Is that going to change either of your lives? No. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're all sitting here fighting about $50 here and $200 there. And the two Mm -hmm. of you make $135,000 household income per year. Why do you think that you're so happy to be fighting over $50 questions? When I was younger, my dad had like a bunch of medical issues and we ended up with like $100,000 medical bills and vehicles being repossessed. Both of our families eventually had like lost their, like our childhood homes and stuff like that. So I think I always have just lived under the assumption 
that if we're not penny pinching, even though it's inconsistent, because again, sometimes it's like, if I'm in a good mood, I'm just, ah, oh, whatever. It's like that $50 matters a ton sometimes if I'm freaked out and it doesn't at all other times. Have you noticed that, Mike, you're playing life not to lose? Yeah, yeah. What do you think the costs are of playing life not to lose? I think there's a lot of small losses in trying to avoid the big loss that might never come anyway. Especially like when we were a little bit younger before we like had money where it was like $1,000 was the world to us or at least to me, where it's like we skipped a destination wedding or skipped this or that or whatever. By playing life on defense, Mm -hmm. you are missing so many opportunities to go on offense. And by playing life on defense, every day you wake up, you put on your glasses, and the first thing you scan the room and look around for is what can go wrong today? Oh, for sure. (laughs) What's going to (laughs) break? What's going to go wrong in our finances? Ah. Yeah. It's not a very pleasant way to live, is it? No. What other examples can you think of playing defense? So it was like this grand gesture where for her birthday or our anniversary, one or the other, I was like, I bought these tickets. And like, now this means we have to go to London and we're going to like, we're going to make it happen. And like, I also, especially then had like a, deathly fear of flying which is only slightly better now and so it was like i'm i'm gonna commit to this i'll get my shit together in time to go make this amazing trip and then in the meantime because it the tickets were on sale like a year and a half before the show or something and so by the time we got closer i slowly talked my way backwards out of it and was like actually we need the money because we don't want to rent this apartment we should work towards buying this condo and we can't really buy the condo and go on this trip and, and so like walked slowly backwards out of it until we finally were going, which I think in my mind, like we made it up because we say, we saw the same show in New York a few years after that or something. But I think that's like a really specific example of something where like, I really tried not to like disappoint Tammy and also to really surprise her and do something that was unlike myself. But ultimately I reverted back to my old thinking and backed out of it and kind of just like rationalized why it was better that way. And I'm Mm -hmm. willing to bet, Tammy, correct me if I'm wrong, you loved the gesture. He came out, oh my God, he was thoughtful. He created a plan a year and a half in advance. Did you love that gesture? Yeah, I was super excited. I was like texting all of my friends. I was texting my mom like, holy shit, I'm finally going to get to go back to London. Like, this is going to be amazing. And so, Mike, you got all the points for being the spontaneous hero. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, did you have to overcome any of your fears or change any of your behaviors? No, no. I mean, I tried and failed, (laughs) but I didn't ultimately have to. I mean, I did in that moment, I felt like, but I think over enough time, I like went back to, you know, zero. So where do you two end up if you keep going the way you're going? What's the cost of this dynamic that you two have established? I think for me, where I know that I am worried that, you know, we're going to get 10, 15 years down the road and, you know, our, our son is going to be not needing us as much. And I'm going to look back and be like, 
holy shit, like I'm not happy. This is not what I want out of life. I don't know who I am anymore. We have a lot of motivation to be together regardless of how we feel minute to minute or day to day because we do have like a shared project that we're very committed to and raising a child. Like while I maybe extend even further my fear-mongering around finances to try to keep him safe financially, I then also do the same stuff to him and treat him. He's, he's a child now, but I don't want to treat him like a two-year-old when he's 16 or a 16-year-old when he's 30. And then I also don't want him to see me doing that to his mom. Okay. Let's imagine he's eight years old, just a few years from now. And mom is going out with a friend for lunch. And your eight-year-old son sees mom putting her shoes on. And he says to her, mommy, don't spend any money when you're out with your friend. Right. How would you feel? I would be mortified. I'd be like, oh shit. Because what? Because I, I wouldn't want him, A, to feel like that's how you act in a relationship. Like I wouldn't want him to feel like you, instead of, having like open honest communication with someone that you like take you know little jabs at them to try to get them to bend to your will and i also wouldn't want him to internalize that either to where like he's going out too and feels like oh i might make a dumb money decision i you know i've got dad's voice in my head telling me i'm an idiot or even almost worse if he's like well i'm a boy so i won't mess it up like it's just dumb mom you know like that would be awful okay tammy I noticed you're crying. <laughs> Can you tell me why? Um, I just think that it's really important to us to not recreate some of what we experienced as children and that we have like you know things that we saw as kids like our parents doing with each other or talking to us we've carried that through life and it's some of the things that we struggle with now and just thinking about doing that to Rowan and then you know whoever you know Rowan like his partner when he grows up is going to be on the receiving end of what he grew up with that he's carried with him. And so I think the pressure of that, um, you know, which is something that we knew, like going into being parents that we were going to have to be better than, you know, I don't know, just be better. And I think before you become parents, you think, oh, I'm not going to do like, you know, these things or we're never going to do that. And then, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. So just like imagining that in my head. Seems like of everything we talked about today, that was the thing that really reached you. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I think I just always... Like, I'm just trying to be the best parent that I can be kind of thing to him. And I just don't want to fail him. This is such an important moment. I'm very thankful to Tammy for being so open with me here. This has happened on several episodes. 
where a couple has a money issue and we'll spend hours talking about it and they'll agree. Yes, this is a problem. Yes, we should make some changes. Yes, we need to do something differently. But once we talk about what their son or their daughter is picking up on, suddenly they're crying, even bawling. Why? Because money is emotional. It's one thing to talk about a spending problem or target or getting financially aligned. But when you think about your son picking up on these issues and carrying them into his life and his future relationships, suddenly it all clicks. This is serious, really serious. It's not a joke. And I want you to listen to me carefully. I had a track coach tell me this back in high school, and I didn't really understand it, but now I do. He said, someone is always watching. If you're at work and you go above and beyond on an assignment, someone is watching. If you're emptying the dishwasher at home and you half-ass it, someone is watching. If you fight with your partner about money, someone is watching. You might not know who, and they might not even realize they're making a judgment about you, but someone is watching. The point of this isn't to impress people around you all the time. The point is, I want you to develop an intrinsic motivation to take the really important things in life seriously. Your rich life is not a joke. It's not something to delay or procrastinate on or to minimize. Someone is always watching. And eventually, that someone who matters most is you. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. 
So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T for a better, smarter sleep. Can I just tell you, I love jokes. All right. I love making fun of myself and I love making fun of other people. Well, half my Twitter feed is making fun of people who think real estate is the best investment on earth. They're fucking delusional. They had never run numbers in their life. Okay. I love it. So when I say this, I want you to listen carefully to me. It's actually not that funny to verbally decapitate your partner. It's not that funny. And yeah, you can get a win, but the win is so short term and the cost is so enormous. I think that's like beyond the jokiness stuff we do give each other a hard time about where it's like, she's like, oh, you're always trying to wear me down about some like big electronic thing or some you know, electric bikes or new, yeah, kayak, this, that, whatever, where I'm like, yeah, but I'm buying myself like experience and like a hundred experiences and you're just buying yourself mini donuts at the gas station. You're both playing to win at the other person's expense. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. hear that? Mm -hmm. Both of you. Especially because he doesn't even use it that much. He's got this freaking (laughs) kayak hanging up in the garage and he's used it three times. Not See, really this, the is point. We, this is this is exactly what we our friends experience. This is yeah, how t- I know goes. Tammy, and I can see yeah. the huge smile on your face right now. Yeah. You yeah. are loving this. Mm-hmm. Until the two of you can change this, what just happened, you're gonna be stuck here. Because you two love it. You love attacking your partner. You look at that smile on your face, Tammy. I it's know. still on your face. Yeah. I'm because I'm just like, holy shit. Like I I've never really like seen like thought of it like that, I guess. Like I'm can, just can like, I tell you something? Oh if yeah. I heard a couple, my friends, saying what you guys just said to each other, I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. My friends do not talk like that. Personally, I find it so inappropriate. Like it would be a huge deal if any couple we were out with said just what the two of you said about the kayak. Mm -hmm. And that's the least of what you said today. And the worst part is he doesn't even use the kayak. Making a joke at his expense and making yourself seem better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mike, I would rather you simply said, look, I want the kayak. It's in our plan. I'm going to get it. And you know what, babe, I'd love to take you out on that kayak next Saturday. Wow. What a totally different approach. Now, as for you, Tammy, I would rather have you say, yeah, you know, I picked up some snacks and Mike, I know your favorite snack is uh, red vines and Twix. 
you know what? I bought you a couple of those things too. I would rather have that. But the ultimate level is that you're both not asking each other about these $10, $20 decisions at all. You make $135,000 a year and you're interrogating each other about gas station snacks. Why do both of you engage in these interrogations on $20 questions? I don't know. You know. I mean, my immediate reaction, like you saying, you know, like if Mike bought, like, hey, I bought this kayak. We have it in the budget. We can save for it. I'm going to take you out on it. I'm going to say like, no, I don't want to do that. That is terrifying to me. And then you, and then me being like, oh, hey, I went and got these snacks from the gas station and I got some of your snacks that you like. Like Mike hates that shit. And so he'd be like, why would you get me this stuff to make me feel sick? (laughs) Okay, okay, Tammy. I think you took away the wrong takeaways from my examples. That whole example was meant to be positive. Right. You went in there surgically, like you were a surgeon with uh, binoculars on. Mm-hmm. You went into that entire story and you surgically, with your forceps, pulled out the only two possible negative things you could have pulled out of that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you try to do that again and this time go positive? Yeah. I mean, I like appreciative, like that sounds awesome. Or thank you for thinking of me or, you know, the kayak would be like, oh, this will create like new great experiences and and memories for us and just, you know, give it a try kind of a thing. Cool. Maybe mm-hmm. Mike says, hey, babe, I know you don't like the kayak. I'll tell you what. I put out a beautiful towel, a cushion. I packed a picnic lunch. I would love to have a nice bottle of wine with you and have Rowan there. And then I'm going to go out on the kayak right in front of you and you can just watch. And, you know, I got some music all ready for you. How would that sound? I mean, that, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Tammy, what is it that you went in with those surgical forceps and pulled out the mm-hmm. negative side of it Versus creating a hypothetical experience that would be positive. I think because we have such a difference uh, in what we consider enjoyable, you know, like we have our interest in what we like to do when it comes to, you know, a lot of spending what we consider a lot of money on things it's almost like we're trying to bend each other to each other's will. Like I want Mike to get over his fear of flying so we can go and explore cities and go to all these faraway destinations. And he wants me to get over my fear of like swimming and and being uncomfortable and unsturdy in certain places like a kayak, for example, or like he wants me to like try and play these video games so we can experience these things together because that's what, you know, we both want to do for enjoyment. We don't try to do that. We just try and force each other or get each other to bend to each other's will versus trying to find enjoyable, common ground. Mm -hmm. And does it work? No. Okay. So let's stop doing it. How about that? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, in life, it's, it's uh, life creates enough problems for us. I don't think we need mm-hmm. to create our own. And I think you yeah. two have been through some really tough medical challenges. You know that life creates its own problems. You yeah. don't need to go looking for them. So if something isn't working, what do you say we just stop doing it? Yeah. It's like quite freeing, actually. That, that old approach we tried for the last 15 years doesn't work. Hey, what do you say we just write it down, put it on the fridge, and put a big red X on it? And next time one of us is tempted to try it, because you know we're creatures of habit, we just point back at that thing and say, you know what? And we make a little fun, make a little joke. You know what? I think we're going back to our old ways. What do you mm-hmm. say we put another X on that fridge and not do this? Yeah. Right? We are mm-hmm. free to rewrite our own future. The two of you are so young. You're not even 40. You have a good income, pretty good savings and investments. And I'm hearing a complete inability to dream about even picking up a snack for your husband. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these are the costs of playing defense. Yeah. At a certain point, you just stop trying for your partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys see where this is heading, right? It's not a good place. Yeah. I mean, we spend so much energy on being like, we don't have a shared vision. and I have to convince the other person that my vision is the right vision versus putting that same amount of energy into just trying what the other person wants to do and just being open to it. We're winning. (laughs) You know, it's like we convince ourselves we're losing. Yeah. Yeah. That's very insightful. Mike, I really liked your observation that the two of you don't currently have a shared vision. No. Yeah. And without a shared vision, you know what happens? Couples bicker over $10 yeah. purchases. That's exactly what it is. That's yeah. what, exactly what we do. And you spend the rest of your lives fighting over $3 questions. Mm-hmm. You're just playing defense. And in your cases, you're putting the other person down to make yourself feel good. Each of you taking a victory lap two or three times a week at the other one's expense. So you're high, they're low, they're high, you're low. It becomes addictive as we saw, right? Tammy, love that big smile of yours. Didn't love, <laughs> didn't love where it came from, but I saw it. And so what if we worked on developing a shared vision right now? Yeah. I would love that. Okay. You tell me, what does it look like? What is your rich life? Mm -hmm. I think getting to that point of experiencing new things together, like Mike had said, like, the enjoyment, the like joy of discovering new things together and specifics. Um, like traveling. Um, Where? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Do you know why you don't know? <laughs> why? If you don't know, ask Mike, get his help. You two are a team now. Ask him why you don't know how to answer the travel question. Oh, why do I not know how to answer the travel question? Well, you're probably afraid of what I'm thinking while you answer it. I mean, (laughs) you're probably like, well, he's already like loading up the gun to shoot it down. 
Is that right, Cammy? <laughs> yeah. He hates traveling. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Look at that. And so many things just happened in that beautiful slash horrible mm-hmm. example. So mm-hmm. Tammy, her dreams are extinguished like a match trying to light in the wind. Never even gets a chance to ignite. Extinguished. And they're extinguished because she already suspects the worst of Mike. Mike's going to tell me I hate traveling. Mike's going to tell me that costs too much. So the two of you are playing a dance with each other, but it's not the kind of dance where you both come together and you're intuitive and everybody's moving to the music. No, it's the worst kind of dance where you two are like magnets repelling each other. And it's just horrible to watch. Yeah. Let's flip it. This is just a hypothetical. If you don't like anything you say, you could toss it out and ignore this weird Indian guy. All right. (laughs) But try it again. This time we're going to assume the best of each other. Let's start this way. Tammy, in this hypothetical scenario, I want you to tell me two amazing things about Mike. They can be true or you can make them up. Okay. Pick one about travel and then one about whatever you want. Go ahead. He works through his fears of flying specifically. Great. To make... What's the next great thing he does? With travel? Nope. Anything. Oh, anything? Um, he takes really good care of me. Love it. Now, Mike. Tammy pushes me to do things outside of my comfort zone that I really love, even if I'm afraid up front. And she also takes really good care of me and our son. Beautiful. Okay. Now, now we're ready to talk about that rich life. Tammy, what is your rich life? Traveling and experiencing new things. Like one of the best trips that we ever went on was we did this Wisconsin up through the UP and back down trip. And we really like planned it together. And and Mike took the logistics of it. And then I, we like looked at like really like beautiful type of outdoorsy type things together. And like that was probably one of the best trips that we've ever been on. Where do you want to travel to in your rich life? Other places like that. Like You're so resistant mm-hmm. to giving me specifics. Do you understand that a rich life is lived in specifics? Mm-hmm. Here, mm-hmm. watch. Ask me what my rich life is. Well, I, well, I, well I, what's your rich life? I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. No, what you don't it? know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I like to eat and I like to travel and I like to look at some screens and watch TV and I like to breathe oxygen. Is that inspiring? <laughs> no. No, it fucking sucks. <laughs> Do you understand? A rich, yes. that is not inspiring. Yeah, no, okay? no. So I'll laugh with you, but I'm going to push you until you answer my question. Not for me, for you. Mm-hmm. Rich life is lived in that vivid tapestry of personal details. That's why when I eat out, if I see two appetizers I like, I order both of them. It's not because I have enough money. That's not the point. The point is when I was a kid, I couldn't order appetizers and now I can. And so it's a great joy to me to be able to do it. So please, Tammy, where would you like to travel to in your rich life? I would really like to take a road trip somewhere to um, 
like the western side of the United States to go through like some of the national parks and which parks, see- which states? Tell me. Um, like the Grand was it Grand Prism or like Antelope, like all of those big canyons and stuff that's like seems like outer space compared to like or like a different planet compared to what we experience in the Midwest, kind of a thing. Great. Um, yeah, uh, I would really great. love to do that. How long are you going to take this road trip for? Probably like a week or two. Fantastic. Because I'm terrible with how long it takes to get anywhere. Me so, too. That's fine. Yeah. So a couple yeah. of weeks. Okay, great. And mm-hmm. you're going to see these beautiful places. Mm-hmm. What's going to make this trip extraordinary? Doing it with Mike and just like walking and hiking and having him like bring his drone and get like amazing like footage and really great pictures and put together this like you know, amazing little like trip diary for us to always have and creating that together is, you know, that is like awesome to do that together. We did that on our trip up North and that was so fun. Love it. Now, part of creating a rich life together is getting the other person involved. They don't Mm -hmm. always have to love it, they don't even always have to participate. Sometimes my rich life stuff is just me. My wife has no interest in participating. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. But Tammy, it sounds like Mike is going to be on this trip, right? Yeah. Okay. So why don't you yeah. ask him, help. ask him, find a way to get him involved. So it's not just you telling him what mm-hmm. to do. Ask him something. Yeah. I mean, would that be something that you would like to plan together? I have that giant list compiled, like looking through there to see if there's anything that's doable that we could put together similar. So like what we did with the up North trip and having you fly your drone and get excited about those places. (laughs) Yeah. No, that would be amazing. I mean, I think that would like open up a whole new world. I think we've traveled a lot in the Midwest and I think that would be like something we've never experienced together. Some of that stuff I did a little bit by myself when I was younger with friends, but like I would absolutely love to experience that. And if we could make it work with Rowan, I think that would be incredible. Like, especially because we didn't, well, you did a little more than I did, but I especially like stayed in Michigan when I was younger for traveling. I never did cool stuff like that. So that would be pretty incredible. And I want, I want to do that stuff with you and I want to introduce that stuff and normalize that stuff for Rowan. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You two as parents, are giving Rowan a bigger perspective on the world. That there's a life outside of your city. There's different ways to live. Yeah, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. I think we both have that shared vision. I would love to see us set plans to go to downtown Detroit, to go ice skating at Campus Martius. And we never have tried skiing or anything. Like Maybe we try to go to Boyne Mountain where we went in the summer when it was warm because and we were like, Oh my gosh, this would be so pretty in the winter. And even if we don't ski, we sit outside at a bonfire pit while it's snowing and Rowan's all bundled up and running around. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Such a beautiful example. And actually the first example I've seen of the two of you doing teamwork. That was yeah. really impressive. I noticed Tammy that when you were forthright with what you wanted, something mm-hmm. really magical happened. And that was that Mm -hmm. Mike started building on it. And then Tammy, Mm -hmm. you started building on it even more. And the two of you, as Mike put it, it was inevitable. You ended Mm -hmm. up in this beautiful place. Yeah. And the two of you 
both have a smile on your face, which looks Mm -hmm. amazing. That's the kind of positive smile I want to see. Yeah. Now I understand that that was just one example. I understand Mm -hmm. that I was guiding it along. I get it. But I can tell you that for the amount of income you make and for the amount you have saved and invested, that's quite a modest dream. Oh, seems like it's not. (laughs) You have $156,000 invested. You make $135,000 a year. And you've got about 13,000 bucks in savings. Mm-hmm. Hearing those numbers, what do you think about a $3,000 trip? <laughs> Seems like a small number compared to the rest of the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I think our lack of shared vision and our kind of competition on who's going to yeah. win, we're actually spending more than that, more than that trip, probably like bi-monthly, just investing in our own shit versus our shared vision. Yes. That's it. Yes, this is it. You two are so good. Yeah. So all these arguments about Reese's pieces and <laughs> kayaks. And the reason that you two fight so much is that to each of you, you're picking a battleground. You're in the corner. Each of you is a boxer. And there's nothing in the center for you to come and shake hands about. It's I'm getting my kayak or she's getting Reese's pieces or Target. And we don't have anything together. So I better get mine. Right. Oh, God. Because otherwise she's going to get hers. Sound familiar, Tammy? Yeah, that's totally it, I think. Yeah. Now, if you were to truly develop your rich life vision, what do you think would happen? I mean, I think we would be way happier. And I think if we can can flip that script, like I think it would make things that seem impossible possible. It's within our control and we're just letting it slip away. That's beautiful. I love that. And Tammy, I love your reaction too. See how you two build on each other when you talk about this rich life vision. It's so awesome. It's like true teamwork. So I love that. Okay. Here's what I would like to say. I think that from, you know, depending on your goals, I'd like to see your investments, you know, get up to 15, 20% of your gross income. That would be great. Not saying you have to be able to do that today, But the fact that you've got a low cost of living area with a Mm -hmm. six figure income means you two, yeah, it's crazy to think about. You two could be putting away a considerable amount of money and building serious wealth. I'm talking million or millions of dollars over time. What do you say about that, Tammy? Uh I think that's a a bit unrealistic, but really, is it? How come? uh, Because we, are, I don't know. That's not just not our background at all. What, um, what background is that? Like lower middle class, like growing up lower middle class. Like, I mean, that's just like, I don't know. It sounds crazy. It just seems unattainable. Yeah. You, you're talking like someone who grew up in the lower middle class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know how I know that? What are some of the clues you just gave me? Unreal. I'm me saying it's unrealistic or your face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Show me what your face did again. Like that, like unbelievable. (laughs) Just complete disbelief. Your face looks like you just ate one of those Sour Patch gummy bear things. Right. Like that's your crazy. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And um, 
would you be mm-hmm. prepared to be the kind of person who's a millionaire? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, I don't even know what that is, like what that what that involves, what that looks like. I mean, that's just like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just think of millionaires as like celebrities and like come by, like creating their own businesses, like, you know, like fortune 500 type people. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'm a millionaire. And what am I wearing right now? I mean, yeah, you're in like a zip up hoodie, but like, how much is that zip up hoodie? What brand is it? Like, okay, that's is that this is from, okay. Touche. Is that from old? Is that from old Navy or wow. is that Armani? Like, you just don't... you just turned my own question against me. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not gonna <laughs> pursue this. You're too good at this. All right, good point. But here's what I'll tell you. In this calculation I ran for you, I only assumed that you were contributing 10 percent of your gross income to your investments. I did not assume any raises. If I assume that you're contributing 20% of your gross income, that is $30,000 or a little over 20%, 30,000 bucks a year. By 32 years, you have nearly $5 million. I just have one question. And so my dream for you, my wish for you is that you go from playing defense to playing offense. Offense means we're going to create our rich life vision. We're going to do it together. Offense is we're going to read I Will Teach You to Be Rich, the book, and we're going to do it together. Even if we don't understand everything, we're going to do it together. Okay. Offense is we are going to take one trip or one experience in the next 30 days, just to show ourselves that we can. And most importantly, offense is not taking the verbal jabs at each other because you win in that moment, but you lose for the rest of your lives. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances.